Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. For thou art the potter, and we are the clay. Mold us and make us after thy will, while we're here yielded and still. That is always my prayer as we gather to worship, that God will have his way, and his way only. My name is Hal Brady, and I want to welcome you to this ministry tonight. I'm so glad you joined me, and I trust you'll invite others to join us in the future. I trust that you will be blessed tonight because you joined us. At least that is my prayer. One word about our website. Our website is howbradyministries.com. On that website, we have previous sermons. We also have a daily devotion on Facebook, and we also have a ministry with Twitter. And so I hope you will tune in and take a look at that website from time to time. Our scripture lesson comes from Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have received your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of being hungry of having plenty out of being in need. 
I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share my distress. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which art our strength and our redeemer. Amen. There are two kinds of discontent. One is very wholesome. It spurs us on. It makes us dissatisfied with past achievements. And it wants us to do better. John Stuart Mill wrote, Nothing is more certain than that improvement in human affairs is wholly the work of the uncontented characters. Suppose Abraham Lincoln, a Martin Luther King Jr., a Mother Teresa, had not had this kind of discontent. And what about Paul? Paul certainly had a wholesome discontent. You remember what he said earlier in this passage? He said, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forth unto what lies before, I press on toward the goal. That is a wholesome discontent. But then there's another kind of discontent that's very, very unworthy. This kind of discontent robs us of our happiness and of our inner peace. It covets what others have, rebels against one's lot in life, and complains about what seems to be God's denials. It leads to restlessness, covetousness, envy, and self-pity. Now, it's against this kind of discontent that we gladly hear what Paul says in our text today. Would you hear his word? He says, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Now, if anyone had a reason to be discontented, it was Paul. He was in a Roman prison cell when he was writing this. But what he said was this, not that I complain of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And another time, he wrote a letter to Corinth. And he said to the Corinthians these things. He said, I've been imprisoned, I've been beaten, I've faced death on a number of occasions. But then he said, I am content. So what does Paul and the Bible say about living a contented life? First of all, to be content, accept your limitations. To be content, accept your limitations. Jesus told a story about a man who was going away so he decided to leave some things to his servants. To one man he gave five talents, to another three, and to another one. Now, he left them to deal with those talents on their own. There are many interpretations of this passage to be sure, but I believe this passage is simply telling us that we have many different talents and abilities. We are all different, but we have many different talents and abilities. For instance, I can truly say I cannot play the organ or the piano nearly as well as my friend Marie Pettit, who is an organist for the First United Methodist Church of Alpharetta, Georgia. And I cannot lead a choir in any sense like Doyle Register of the St. Luke United Methodist Church in Columbus, Georgia. But just perhaps there's something that I can do that they can't. Hear me now. We can only be content when we realize the uniqueness of our own gifts and graces and not worry about those gifts and graces of other people. I want you to think about the story of David and Goliath. All right, here's the story. You remember, David volunteered to fight Goliath. King Saul wanted David to wear his armor when he went out to fight him. So can't you just see this? Imagine this picture. Here is a teenage boy, David, being tried for, to put on this big helmet, this bronze helmet of Saul. 
next thing they're doing, they're putting this big shield in his hand. And I'm sure it was tremendously heavy. And then they put on David Saul's sword, probably drug the ground. You've seen little children dress up in parents' clothing. I'm sure that's the way David looked. He could not even walk. So what he said to King Saul was, I'm not used to this, so I'm going to have to lay them aside. What he was saying was, I cannot be you. You cannot be me. So what David did was, as you remember, he simply picked up five small stones. He took his sling, and he went out to fight the giant. Well, he beat Goliath, and the reason he beat him, and the point is, he accepted his limitations, and he was successful. Chuck Swindoll tells about a, a daddy friend of his whose eight-year-old son wanted to play soccer. So he took him to soccer practice. This daddy friend of his knew absolutely nothing about soccer, but he took him to practice on the first day, and he was very disappointed to learn that they didn't have a coach. So you guessed it, this daddy friend became the coach. He absolutely knew nothing about soccer. He didn't know how to set up an offense or a defense. He knew nothing about it. And he said it was about the third hour that he realized that he needed to do more than just say, a boy, you can win. But thank goodness there was a father of another boy on the team that noticed the futility of this daddy friend and his coaching. So he volunteered to take his place. He volunteered. He had played soccer. He had coached soccer. So this daddy friend said immediately, he and I became fast friends. And he said the reason was because I accepted my role as the assistant coach and as the team encourager. Now that team was successful because that daddy friend realized the limitations. And so he got out of the way and the team was successful. I remember in my first full-time church as a pastor, I remember that that first Sunday, and they tell us in these new churches not to do anything new for a while, just to try to keep everything as it is. Well, the pastor before me had led the singing, and then he would turn around and preach. He led the choir. Well, I didn't know anything about music, but on that first Sunday, not wanting anything to change, I said to that choir, now you just sing like you know it. I'll stand up and move my hands. Don't pay any attention to it. So I got them up on their feet, did that smile, and they were all ready. And I started down here, which you should start up here. Well, it was a riot and a mess. But during the next week, a lady called me who had been in church that Sunday, and she said, uh, Hal, I am so-and-so, and I am a former choir director. Do you think I could help you? And I said, you are a godsend, of course. You see, I recognize my own limitations, and consequently that church was able to move forward because I acknowledge the fact that I couldn't do that. Now, all of us are required to do one thing, that is to live up to our own expectations, to do the things that we are qualified to do, to handle our own gifts and graces and not worry about the gifts and graces of anybody else. That is so very important for us to learn. Reinhold Niebuhr made this suggestion. Listen, let a person say to himself, herself, I will seek and work for what seems better to me, but I will not lust on it, or I will not be disheartened if I don't get it. I will not let my wings signal the edge of heaven's denials. I will change the things I can change, except the things I cannot change, and pray for the wisdom to know the difference. Now that is a good thing for each of us to remember. I accept myself, I know myself, I am myself. So the first thing, if you want to be content, 
to be content, acknowledge your limitations, accept your limitations. Secondly, to be content, focus on the inner circumstances, the inner circumstances. Now, this goes against the grain of this society, against the grain of popular thought. Don't we have young people, and everybody says this, if you really want to make it today, you need to be young. You need to be young at heart. You need to acquire this, that, and the other. So consequently, that's the way society goes. But we're told in Scripture that's not the way it's supposed to go. In the cartoon, Hagar the Horrible, written by Chris Brown, says to his enslaving wife, I'm getting ready to go to Europe. Do you want me to bring you anything? And she replies, yes, I want you to bring me a new life. You see, she's focusing on the outer circumstances and not the inner circumstances. And Paul says it's the inner circumstances that are so important. Now, all of us know people who are wealthy or have great goods, but they're miserable. You remember the story of the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus one day. Remember, he was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. And yet he was miserable when he asked that he be shown the way to life. Now, I want you to hear the words of Paul, because Paul tells us what we need to be thinking about here. Listen, not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. You see, he was content. But Paul begins to focus on the inner circumstances, not the outer circumstances. There's a story, a fable, actually, about a king in his kingdom who was sick. So he called in all the wise rulers of the kingdom and asked what he should do. They had a long consultation. Finally, they said, what you need to do is find a contented person in your kingdom, a contented person, and then get his shirt and wear it day and night for a month. So the king sent these wise people out to find a contented person in his kingdom. They were gone for quite some time. They came back, and they did not have a shirt, and they didn't report to the king. The king noticed they were back, and the king assumed that they couldn't find a contented person. And so the king asked, could you not confine a contented person? And one of the people who went out said, yes, we found a contented person. The king, rather upset, said, well, why didn't you bring me his shirt? And this person replied, Your Majesty, he didn't have a shirt. You see, to be content has something to do with the inner circumstances and not the outer circumstances. And a great example of this was Mother Teresa herself. Here was this little lady who had no wealth, no power, no earthly security. She had none of this, and yet she lived a very, very contented life. I remember Dr. Robert Shuler said he remembered meeting with Mother Teresa he said he had been to her home for the dying in Calcutta. They had sent letters back and forth, but he had never met her face to face. He got this invitation to meet in Tijuana, Mexico. So he said when he got there, he saw her among the pathetically poor. This little lady was standing among all the poor. And then he described her in such a way as this. He said she was tiny, frail, simple, and saintly, and saintly. That says a lot. Listen to the way E. Stanley Jones put it. E. Stanley Jones was correct when he said, most people do not break down from overwork, but from underbeing. Did you hear that? 
most people break down, not from overwork, but from under being. And then thirdly, to be content, keep on actively learning. Listen to the words of Paul. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Note that contentment here is not easily received. We don't easily get contentment. We have to work for it. We have to seek after it. It has to be learned. So what I want us to do for a few minutes is to think about the places that we will not find contentment. Contentment is not found in these places. Contentment, first of all, is not found in complaining. It's not found in complaining. There was a lady who went out to eat with a friend of hers after work in Los Angeles, California. They were sitting there. All of a sudden, she interrupted the conversation, and she called the head waiter over, and she said, isn't that Brother Pitt standing at the bar? She's talking about the movie star. Isn't that Brother Pitt? And the head waiter said, yes, he assured her that it was. And she said, well, this Mr. Brad Pitt is annoying me. And the head waiter said, he hasn't even looked at you. And she said, that's the problem. That's the reason I'm annoyed. You have to remember, contentment is not found in complaining. It's just as easy to see a glass half full as to see it half empty. So contentment is not found there. Neither is contentment found in comparing ourselves with somebody else. The Humane Society had an ad that they sponsored in a national magazine. They were trying to get people to adopt pets, homeless pets. They had the picture of a puppy and a kitten there. And it was marvelous. It certainly gave a wonderful uh, expression of love for these animals. It was beautifully done. But the most important thing about the ad was at the top of the page it said, these are important because of who owns them. They are important because of who owns them. Isn't that true of us? We are important because of who owns us. We don't need to compare ourselves with anybody else. God has made us unique. We are masterpieces. And because God has made us unique, we should just trust in God. And that is so very significant. And then contentment is not found in brooding over the past. They have a certain tradition at Culver Military Academy. And it seems that the tradition includes the day they graduate, the student will walk across the stage, he will receive his diploma, he will shake hands with the president, and then he will march out under the archway. And somebody will be saying when he's under the archway, don't forget to close the gate. Now this is not simply a military exercise. What they're telling this young man is, don't you forget to close out and forget your mistakes, your failures, your sins before you move into the future. Wasn't that what Paul was saying when he said, forgetting what lies behind, I press on, that's a marvelous parable for us. And then contentment is not found by solely leaning on the future. I want you to listen to some words of Jesus in Matthew's gospel. This is what he says. Listen, please. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than the body, more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Well, since we've taken a look at where contentment is not to be found, just for a few minutes, I want us to look at where contentment is to be found. Contentment is to be found in growth, just as a plant springs forth new shoots in the spring. It proves it's alive. If it doesn't, it's dead. Life is growth. In the early days of the Methodist Church, 
these old ministers would express what they wanted to express by questions and answers. So I want you to listen to one of these questions and the answer. Question 10, who has died this year? Answer, Wyatt Andrews. He died full of faith and the Holy Ghost. As long as he could ride, he traveled. And while he had breath, he praised the Lord. That's all we know about Wyatt Andrews, but that's enough. Wouldn't that be a marvelous gravestone? As long as the person was alive, he or she traveled. And as long as he or she had breath, they praised the Lord. And then contentment is to be found in response. Now, Jesus was quite responsive. If people were having a joyful time, Jesus added to the joy. You remember his first miracle was at Cana of Galilee. It was a wedding. But Jesus was also just as responsive to people who were in sorrow. You remember when he came to Martha and Mary, Lazarus had died. He said, where have you laid him? You see, Jesus is a symbolic of what life is all about. And Jesus responded to life. So contentment is to be found in response. And then contentment is to be found in gratitude. A little boy was asked what he was the most thankful for. He replied, his glasses. He said, it keeps the boys from hitting me and the girls from kissing me. Well, he had his own gratitude. Somebody said that God lives in two places. He lives in heaven and he lives in a grateful heart. All of us have much to be grateful for. Consequently, we have the opportunity to be content. If we count our many blessings, name them one by one, certainly it will surprise us as to what the Lord has done. That's something we've heard and studied all of our lives. And then contentment is to be found in a conscious relationship with God. Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose-Filled Life. And in that book, he opened it up by saying, and he was talking about life, it's not about you. He said, if you want to know why you're on this planet, he said, then you must begin with God. And what I'm saying to you is you must not only begin with God, but you must continue with God in a real relationship. You must do that. Now, the Apostle Paul tells us why he was contented. He says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Early, he said, for to me to live is Christ. So the reason Paul can be content is because he knows that the ups and downs of life are not permanent. So consequently, he does not give permanence to the ups or the downs in life. Consequently, he can have a lobster dinner or he can face a shipwreck. He'd rather have the lobster dinner, but I'll tell you, he can face a shipwreck because he knows that the shipwreck is not the final word. But I want to tell you one thing Paul does place permanence on, and that is the living companionship of Jesus Christ. He says it's because of that permanence with Christ that he can handle the ups and downs of life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he says. Tony Campolo said when he awakens in the morning, he has a new kind of prayer. He said he doesn't ask God for anything. He just simply repeats over and over the word Jesus. He said it blocks out all the things that he's got to do for the rest of the day. And he simply says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he invites Jesus to come into his life. And then he invites the invasion of the Holy Spirit. And then that's Maxie Dunham. Maxie Dunham said that every morning during his devotional time, he speaks to himself. He said sometimes he speaks silently, sometimes out loud. He said sometimes he makes it into a liturgy. 
Sometimes he just sort of keeps it up as if he were in an exercise of breath. But this is what he said. He said, Maxie, the secret is this, Christ in you. The secret is this, Christ in you. Paul said, and whatever I am, I am content. Then he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The secret is Christ in you, Christ in me. It is my prayer that all of us will live contented lives because Jesus Christ lived within us. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this day and this time together. We are grateful for this passage that Paul has explained to us. And we pray, O oh God, that you'd help us to understand the truth of it and to allow the living Lord of this universe to live within us. Guide us and direct us, and may we honor you in all that we say and do and are. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you so very much for joining me for this service tonight. I trust that you have been blessed, and I trust that you will be a blessing to other people. Remember to look at the website, howbradyministries.com. Have a good evening. Good night. Amen.